One of the greatest achievements of African-American people after the Civil War was the creation of a professional class of educators that provided literacy to the masses of black people. These educators were mission-driven to teach rudimentary skills and to provide higher education. Some of these educators were, quote, college-bred, unquote, like Carter G. Woodson and W.E.B. Du Bois. They received university training and managed to earn degrees, but were structurally barred from using their intellect to teach at white colleges or from making, from, or from working in other professions dominated by whites. However, they dedicated their intellectual lives to works greater than themselves. They developed day and night schools and other learning forums. They trained teachers who went on to train other teachers. They vigorously advocated for the public schooling of black children. They also argued and advocated for the equal and just treatment of black people as a whole. Nearly every great black leader of the 19th and early 20th centuries came out of this intellectual tradition. This is Dr. Catherine Bancoli Medina with The Invention of Racism. The goal of this podcast series is to share the subtle and not so subtle nuances of racism from the past into the 21st century. Understanding and speaking the truth about racism is the first step toward combating and ultimately eliminating it. In this episode, we will talk about another component of the seven pillars of the racist construct, intellectuality. Remember, there are seven components which help to explain how racism operates in the world. These seven pillars include dominance, management, containment, intellectuality, humanity, reality, and erasure. If there is one concept that truly animates the imagination of racists, it is the idea of intellectuality, taken to mean generally mental capacity, acuity, and aptitude. They are particularly interested in black intellectuality. Racism is predicated on the attempt to codify and separate intelligence. Dominating power groups rely on a sacred mythology that they are, through heredity, intellectually superior to those they choose to subjugate. Intellectuality is something reserved for the elite ruling class and those striving to be among their ranks. It is no secret that thinking people are less likely to accept subjugation. Let's look at some of the ways racists use their sacred mythology to manipulate and weaponize the idea of intellect. And we'll be looking at just about four points. First, intelligence, as noted, is something that must be denied to the people you want to oppress. It is a tool of subjugation as old as time itself. Imagine a period in world history where the power of literacy rested with an exclusive class of people. They restricted the power to read and write, 
because it made them seem magical to the masses. These people would seem like gods with untold authority. So power, coupled with generational illiteracy, allowed black sharecroppers, for example, to be cheated and abused. Numbers would have authority and the white men manipulating the numbers relative to the harvest records would seem erudite in their calculations. In the Jim Crow era, denying qualified black people access to colleges and professional schools was an old racist initiative designed to limit the intellect of the entire black community. Educated black people signaled progress that they would be on equal footing with white people. Educated black people were perceived to be in a better position to effectively question the status quo, both verbally and in writing. In the 21st century, failing to teach inordinate numbers of black public school children for decades, often referred to as educational malfeasance, is another form of intellectual control. Since racists believe that they are innately intellectually superior, the miseducation of black children is of no consequence. Our second point, racist sacred mythology holds the belief that black people are genetically unintelligent and uneducable. This belief is held even among the most ill-informed who never see their own limitations as exceeding their sense of whiteness. This perception is maintained no matter the evidence to the contrary. Sheer belief fueled the desire to investigate black intelligence to prove this point. This was done through examinations of cranial capacity, countless IQ tests, and standardized exams all in an effort to prove this myth. While these ideas were utterly discredited and have been for decades, it is a strategic ploy for a racist to insult a black person, either overtly or covertly, with these old tropes suggesting a dull intellect. We have seen this tactic on display publicly over the past three and a half years emanating no less from the resolute desk of the White House. Black politicians, particularly Democrats, and black celebrities and athletes have been consistently levied with charges of possessing a, quote, low IQ, unquote, for speaking up and about social justice issues. Despite this obsessive display Blacks were thought to be a people whose lack of intelligence fueled extremes and emotions. While blacks were not allowed to be viewed as intelligent, they were permitted to be seen as passionate and overly emotional beings. But honestly, it was never an issue of intelligence. Like much in the racist mythos, it is about belief and how blind embedded conviction can be activated to establish and maintain power. Third, 
Where critical thinking and intellectualism is believed to exist among black people, the racist impulse is to mute, ignore, or deny it. Racial control mandates that there is no real acknowledgement of the mental aptitude and acumen of black people. In the antebellum and postbellum South, there was nothing more vexing to white society than a literate black person with a cultivated mind. These black people were often referred to as, quote, uppity Negroes, unquote. They were not thought of as learned men and women, but as people who were uncontrollable, troublemakers, crafty, and even dangerous to white society, dangerous because they did not know their place. Within the context of lynching, historian Leon Litwack said that, quote, even as whites scorned black incompetence, they feared evidence of black competence and independence. Even as whites derided blacks for their ignorance, they resented educated, literate, ambitious, and successful blacks. The violence inflicted on black people was often selective, aimed at educated and successful blacks. So the 2016 through 2020 public insult hurled at black congresspersons and other public facing personalities who challenged the administration's policies was actually inflicted on the entire black nation. But their defenders countered that the blacks openly attacked on social media were not only highly educated, they were considered leaders in their fields and in the community. Fourth and finally, as racist mythology evolves, so does perceptions of intellectuality that are palatable to racists. One idea is the acceptance of a common black intelligentsia. This acceptance is predicated upon the notion that dual racial intelligences exist. This suggests that whites operate in a world where they feel their intelligence is more advanced than that of black people. The acknowledgement of black intelligence was always more akin to the doctrine of separate and unequal. In the early 20th century, black people could have their own educational institutions. However, they would always invariably be led by whites. Since intellectuality is presented as the purview of a white, largely Western male society, these schools and their graduates would never be viewed as equal to whites. However, in every generation, black people prove these racist theories of intellectuality as false and even beneath the dignity of the country. Black people challenged and turned the tables on the whole concept of intellectuality. They did this in so many ways by introducing new forms of knowledge acquisition in the public domain, such as communal syllabi distributed by scholars and activists, and they expanded the disciplinary knowledge into countless spheres that are professionally engaged by many, including black history and 
black studies. So racists claim human intellectuality for themselves. They will always assert the myth of a genetic predisposition associated with intellectuality. Today, racists may dispense with public negative epithets against blacks, but will almost always find ways to demean or deny black intelligence. As in most things racial, it matters not what people say as much as what they do. I recall that Anna Julia Cooper, who was born into slavery in 1858, earned a doctorate in history from the University of Paris at the Sorbonne in 1924 and at the age of 66. She was one of only four black women to earn the terminal Doctor of Philosophy degree. Her dissertation was on the attitude of France on the question of slavery between 1789 and 1848. Dr. Cooper proceeded to open a public school to accommodate the schedules of adult working class blacks. She began her career as a much needed and esteemed teacher and emerged as a pioneering black intellectual who was an influ influential activist for the black community. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Support for independent podcasts like The Invention of Racism is critical at this moment in the national and global effort to dismantle racism and to establish human equality, we need as many thoughtful and courageous voices as possible. If you believe in and appreciate this anti-racism podcast, continue to download and support us. I also encourage you to use your media platform to honestly analyze, examine, and put an end to racism. If you are listening to this podcast series, then you know, discourse on racism is not for the faint of heart. I hope you will join me as I continue to present key topics in the invention of racism.